Good morning. It is great to see you this morning. It's great to be back here at Grace Bible Church. As you might know, I was gone last week. I took my family to Sky Ranch Family Camp in Colorado, and it was an amazing 70, 75 degrees every day. It was absolutely fantastic. So uh, sorry to well up that jealousy inside of you. But when we got back yesterday, I got my daughter, uh, Abigail, who's about 20 months old, I got her out of the minivan, and the first thing she said, she said, hot. And uh, it's, it is hot here. So, but it is good to be back. Um, I know a number of you reached out to me, and I know you were blessed by our guest preacher last week, Dr. Abraham Curavilla. Uh, he was an incredible encouragement, and I know that our guest preacher today will be an encouragement as well. Uh, Dr. Gene Getz has a reputation that speaks for itself. He holds multiple degrees, too many to hang on one wall. He has authored a number of books, I think 60 books, many of which have been translated into multiple languages. He's been a professor at Moody Bible Institute and Dallas Theological Seminary, and uh, he has his own study Bible, the Life Essentials Study Bible, which is available for purchase out in the commons after our service. But as impressive as all of that is, and it is impressive, I can tell you that as I've interacted with Gene Getz, uh, the most impressive thing about him, I think, is that he is an encourager of encouragers. And as I'm sure you're aware, encouragement is in short supply these days in our world. Uh, But Dr. Gene Getz has it in abundance. And so, Grace Bible Church, would you please help me by welcoming to the pulpit Dr. Gene Getz. Thank you very much. What a privilege to be here. I am deeply honored, and uh, this is my security blanket. Um, As some of you know, I was in the hospital for eight months with COVID, and the first couple of weeks, my family came to say goodbye. The doctor said that I wasn't going to make it, but God had other plans. And uh, after eight months, I was able to go home. It left me with a severe form of neuropathy in my legs that doctors can't figure it out, except they say that it's related to COVID. Uh, After eight months in a hospital, I wasn't able even to lift my legs to get into bed. But after six months, and also on a feeding tube for a year, Boy, when I got off that tube and tasted mashed potatoes and gravy for the first time, whoa, (laughs) and cold water. Um, I didn't realize how ice water tasted after a year. Um, But anyway, God had mercy, literally. I mean, it's God's gift and God's grace. I had a good friend here in Dallas, uh, Dr. Steve Weinberg. He was a medical doctor. In fact, some of you may have seen him on Fox News with Shannon Breen every week talking about COVID. He got COVID same time I did. And in three or four days, he was in heaven. And I asked myself, why am I here? 
I really can't answer that question. But I'm thankful God has given me 91 years to be here to open the Word of God. And because of His grace, I have a goal, as He permits, and that's to help everybody understand the Word of God in order to know the will of God. And that's what I'd like to talk about today, the Word of God and the will of God. I'm going to take you to the Gospel of John, beginning in chapter 14. And Jesus is meeting with the apostles. They're really nervous because he said he's going to go away, and they have no clue as to what's happening. And Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled because I'm going to come again and in the meantime, while I'm gone, I'm going to send to you an encourager. And Jesus, to put their hearts at ease, here in uh, verse 16 of chapter 14, he said, And I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another counselor. Now that word is very significant, really, in understanding what Jesus is saying. Ordinarily, you don't have to know the Greek words to understand truth because we have great translations into English. But this word that Jesus used here is parakletos. I'm going to send you another parakletos. I want you to keep that in mind as we walk through this message because it's very significant because it could be translated, I'm going to send you another encourager. The Greek verb parakleo is translated many times in the New Testament as to encourage. And so that'd be a very legitimate translation. In fact, it's my favorite translation. I'm going to send you another encourager to be with you forever. He is, and notice, he identifies the Spirit, this parakletos, this encourager, as the Holy Spirit. Again, they're confused. They're asking questions. And Jesus continues uh, to reassure them. And so if you go to um, verse 26... But the Counselor, the Paracletos, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you. Now remember, he's speaking to 11 men. Judas is no longer here. He will teach you all things, and he will remind you of everything I have told you over the last three-plus years. They've been with him for those three years. He says, the Holy Spirit is going to come, this encourager, and he's going to remind you of everything I said. And I can imagine a former tax collector named Matthew sitting there and scratching his head and pulling on his beard and saying to himself, what in the world is Jesus talking about? And Matthew doesn't realize 
that nearly 20 or 25 years later, following this event, he's somewhere in the New Testament world, carrying out the Great Commission. He may have been sitting under a tree meditating. He may have been sleeping, and he woke up in the middle of the night. But there were thoughts, clear thoughts and words that went through his mind. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And it really got his attention. Blessed are those who mourn. And those thoughts, those words entered his mind. And he rolled out his scroll and he took his quill and he began to record. He recorded all of the Beatitudes that he heard over 40 years ago on the Mount of Beatitudes. Not only did he record all the Beatitudes, he recorded the whole Sermon on the Mount that we have in our Bibles. And he recorded the whole Gospel of Matthew. And you see, his mind, I'm sure, went back to what Jesus said in that upper room over 30 years ago. When he comes, he will remind you of everything I have told you. Well, Jesus continued there in that upper room, and he said, let's go, let's leave. And they went down into the streets of Jerusalem. It's dark, it's scary. And as they're walking along, about ready to descend into the Kidron Valley, going towards the Garden of Gethsemane, I can imagine Jesus stopped, and I also can imagine that standing next to Jesus is John the disciple that was close to Jesus in a special way. And I can imagine Jesus turning to John particularly as the others were listening. And in verse 26 of 15, we read, when the counselor, the encourager, the paroctikos comes, the one I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of truth, he will testify about me. And I can imagine him looking right into the eyes of John and saying, he, the Holy Spirit, will testify about me. Again, John has no clue at this moment in his life. However, 60, at least 60 years later, He's an old man. He's in the 90s. I can identify with that. He probably was in Ephesus because that's where he eventually served before he was taken into captivity on the Isle of Patmos. But somewhere, at some moment, we can't recreate it we can't even understand it. But he heard words that were as clear as crystal in his mind. In the beginning was the Word. 
And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelled among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And John rolled out his scroll and took his quill and he began to record. And he recorded all the miracles that are included in that gospel. And at the end of that gospel, he culminated by saying, many other signs Jesus did in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that he is the Christ, the Son of God, and in believing you might have life through his name. He wrote the whole Gospel of John. And I'm sure as that process was happening, his mind went back to that moment as they were standing there heading towards the Kidron Valley. When the Holy Spirit comes, John, he will testify about me. And that's the whole purpose of the Gospel of John. Well, the Holy Spirit did come on the day of Pentecost. And we read that they continued in the apostles' teaching. As Peter was proclaiming, 3,000 responded. The Holy Spirit came. The church was born. And we read they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What was the apostles' teaching? Well, you see, first they spoke, and then they wrote. And what they wrote is the essence of our New Testament, the Word of God, in order that we might know the will of God. I want to fast forward you in the biblical story and take you to... um, the end of the Apostle Paul's journey on this earth. He's in prison. Second prison. It's a cell. But miraculously, he got a scroll. And he wrote a letter. The last letter he ever wrote. He wrote 13, the last letter he ever wrote. And it was to Timothy, his missionary companion. And this is what we read here in 2 Timothy 3. But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you. Now keep in mind, imagine what Timothy is thinking when he reads this. And you know that from infancy, Timothy, you've known the sacred scriptures which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. As Timothy read that, his mind had to go back many years to his home city in Lystra, where the apostle Paul came and proclaimed the Messiah. And because he proclaimed the Messiah, he was stoned and carried outside the city and left for dead. That was Timothy's hometown. In the book of Acts, we read that as Paul was lying there, surrounding him were disciples, believers. And we can be assured that standing in that circle was Timothy, 
not only Timothy. There was an old Jewish lady who was his grandma. And standing next to his grandma probably was his mother, Lois. We know their names. Uh, was Lois and Lois' grandma and Eunice's mother. We know their names because they're mentioned in the opening chapter of this letter. Timothy's dad's not here. He's probably down at the temple of Zeus worshiping because he was a pagan. We read that in Acts 16. He wasn't a believer. But Timothy was there. And can you imagine what Timothy was thinking? And by the way, Paul, of course, miraculously was healed. He got up and he moved on to the next city. But imagine what Timothy was thinking. But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you've learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you. Your grandma, Lois, your mother, Eunice. And you know that from infancy, you've known the sacred scriptures. What were the sacred scriptures? The Old Testament. And when Paul came and proclaimed the Messiah being fulfillment of all the prophecies, it gave him the wisdom that led to his salvation through Jesus Christ. But then Paul continued. He said, Timothy, all Scripture is inspired by God. There was no New Testament, at least collected at this point, but Paul had written 13 letters, and this was the 13th. And I'm not sure he even knew that what he wrote was going to be incorporated into a volume we call the New Testament. But like the prophets in the Old Testament, he was proclaiming a great truth when he said all Scripture is inspired by God. And his 13 letters are included in that volume that we have today, the New Testament. And is profitable for teaching, rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so the man of God may be complete, the woman of God may com be complete, equipped for every good work. The word of God so that we can know the will of God. But I want to fast forward you again, take you a little further on in New Testament history to the book of Hebrews. And we don't know who wrote Hebrews. I think it was Apollos, doesn't matter because we believe it's the Word of God. And in chapter 10, we read, and let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but, and get this, encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. A question. What do you think the basic Greek word is for the word encouraging that's used right here? It is the same basic Greek word that Jesus used of the Holy Spirit, parakletos. But here, the author of Hebrews is saying, we are the parakletoi. You see, the parakletoi is the plural of parakletos. The Holy Spirit, the encourager, 
came, has given us the Word of God so that we can be the encouragers, the paracletoi. I don't know how that affects you, but think about it. The Holy Spirit not only has given us the Word of God, the Spirit of truth, but as believers, He dwells within us, enabling us then to encourage one another. What an incredible truth from Scripture. Twenty years ago, I received a call. I had just passed my leadership baton to my successor at Fellowship Bible Church North. And out of the blue, picked up the phone, and it was a call from a member of the Robin and Holman staff in Nashville. The oldest Bible publishers, by the way, in the United States. They said, Gene, we've just completed our brand new translation of the Bible. And I knew about it. it was, it's now called the Christian Standard Bible. I knew it was a great translation. They had 100 scholars working on it. But they said, Gene, we want you to take our new translation and do a Principles to Live by Study Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Hello? And then they said, we think you can do it in a couple of years with everything you've written and done and taught. Again, hello. <laughs> I took on the challenge and seven years later, working full time, literally, full time for seven years to incorporate into the biblical text 1,500 principles to live by from Genesis to Revelation. But then there was another miracle. My associate, Dave Powers, who's here today, said, Gene, if you're going to teach all of this, and I knew I had to teach it, and by the way, I had a group of people stayed with me for seven years. They were very faithful, because I taught them literally. As I was doing this, he said, if you're going to teach it, we've got to videotape it all. And so we did. But we didn't realize that in the last year, the seventh year, here comes YouTube. And here comes QR code technology enabling us or any reader to access videos with our cell phones, their iPads. And I get this call from B&H in the final stages, Gene, you've got all these videos. We've got to put QR codes with every one of the principles so people can download the video. And so we went to work, and when the Bible came off the press, not only did they have the written material and the principles, but they had videos where I taught all 1,500. And here's the amazing thing, and it's a miracle, and it's a God thing. We began to hear from people all over the world who are downloading the videos. Because English is such a common language, literally, around the world. I share this story at this moment for one basic purpose. You can't spend seven years full time in the scriptures, line by line, sentence by sentence, and paragraph by paragraph, 
without de developing a deeper appreciation for what God has given us through the Scriptures, His Word, coming from the Spirit of Truth. Other than the gift of the living Word, Jesus, the written Word is right behind because it's the written Word inspired by the Spirit of Truth that He reveals to us his will for our lives. The Word of God and the will of God. Father, I stand before you humbled and I'm just thankful that I'm alive. I thank you that you, in your grace, have left me here at this moment, just to simply share your word. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the life that we have in Jesus. And Lord, help us to serve you until you take us home. I pray this in the name of our blessed Savior, Jesus Christ. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.